0: thanks for checking out the lakeshore podcast if this is your first time listening with us we want you to know god loves you we want for your hope in jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life wherever you are joining us from we hope this message encourages you and, also ministry unto others, and that is the secret place the gathering place and the public place And so we did kind of this whole series, uh, or or we did the first month, we did about the secret place, and we talked about that, and how it's really kind of a foundational piece that we need to develop the secret place with the Lord in order for us to to thrive, I will say, in the gathering place and in the public place. Because that's the foundational piece, the secret place. We got to have, spend time with God. We've got to be able to have a, a relationship with him that, that then translates out to the gathering place and then also to the public place because really we want to impact lives. We want to be people who actually you know are, are coming to church to the gathering place and encouraging one another, building each other up, maybe praying for one another whatever whatever that looks like and so with that though, we have to make um, you know necessary Adjustments, Whatever those adjustments need to be when it comes to the secret place, the gathering place, and the public place, we need to make those adjustments. Right? Because there, there, there's coming a time, I think, you know, where the Lord, the Lord is not going to, I don't think, tarry very much longer. And he's looking for a church that'll rise up. Looking for a church that's pressing in, going after his presence, going after his heart, so that this end-time revival can happen. And I want us to be a part of that end-time revival. I don't want us just playing church. This is not a country club. This is not just something where, oh, yeah, we're just hanging out. No, I want us to to, to be a part of this end-time revival when the Lord says, it's time. He could look to us as a church and say, well, done, my good faithful servants, because you followed my heart. You've, you've been about me. You've had a passion for me. And so those are some things that, that we'll have to adjust if, if we're truly wanting to see what God wants to do. And then, you know, we, we, if we have those things in alignment, then, um, as we said, our, our kind of theme for the year for um, our, all of our campuses is a heart for the house and hands for the harvest. And that, that is a theme that we'll carry throughout this whole year and uh, just feeling like it's so vitally important that we get this, we understand it, we, we are able to lock in to what those are. And so today we're going to talk about the gathering place. Now, the gathering place is where God wants us as believers okay, to come together to pursue both worship, which we did today, that, which was awesome. We've been praying for that, right? But come together to worship and and minister to one another, minister unto the Lord. Did you know that your worship ministers to the Lord? Right? So I can look at you and say, hey, you're a minister. What? No, I didn't go to Bible college. You don't know you're a minister. Because when you worship the Lord, you're ministering unto the Lord. And so all of us in some way, shape, or form, are a minister. So when we worship, we're ministering unto the Lord. And you know what the Lord does? He receives it. He receives our worship. Ah, that just right there is like, yeah, let's go. But we are come together that, then we are to encourage one another, right? To build each other up, to strengthen each other. And we'll get into it get into a little bit deeper about God's gifted you, and you are a part of a body, right? But we'll get into that. And then something we need to understand is that these gatherings can be as small as two people, to a thousand thousands of people, okay. The gathering place can be two people coming together to talk about the Lord, it could be in Starbucks, right? I'm gathering with another, and we're gonna talk about the things of God together, we're gonna worship together, right? I, I think I told this story a long time ago one time. Now, this is back in California. I don't know if you've ever had what is called Sizzler out here. Remember Sizzler? Was there a Sizzler out here? Okay, anyways, I remember just being, being there uh, for lunch for some odd reason, not like I go, went there all that time, but I was there, and all of a sudden, there was this large group of people, I, maybe about 20 or 30, and all of a sudden, they just started worshiping in Sizzler. You know, and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on? And man, I mean, full-blown, they're worshiping Jesus. And I thought, wow, that is awesome. But at the same time, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, how's everybody feeling? But, but man, that was great. And so it could be two to a thousand people, right? And when we think about the gathering place or we think about the church, you know, a lot of times we think about the building, right? That, that, that the church is the gathering place. But biblically, the church isn't a building, it's a people. The church isn't a building, it's a people. Now, the word church in the Greek is ekklesia, which means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public place or an assembly, okay? Now, it was a, it was a, a word that was used for, uh, for both like the secular gatherings of people, who were called out to make laws, make public policy. They argued and, the, uh, and, and ruled in judicial matters. Kind of sounds like our government to some degree, wouldn't you say? Okay. But it was an honor to serve there. Then for the sacred gatherings of people, the ecclesia was a body of believers who had been called out, called forth, selected, and assembled to be God's representatives. And every... Listen... Town, city, state, nation, okay? So it's a body called out to make, I love this, that I I read this and I had to put it down. It's a body called out to make decisions that affect the atmosphere of a place, of a city, of a region. See, what we experienced today, and I truly believe the presence of God was here, was because you engaged it See, you set the atmosphere because you worshipped. You said yes, I'm engaged, and what happened? God came. He showed up. See, we 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 don't we don't understand the importance of who we are in Christ. But man, we set the atmosphere. Like you can walk into rooms of of situations that are going on, and because of who you are, and because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you, you can can change an atmosphere just by your presence. But see, we we gotta understand that. And the important and the importance of that. But it's called out to make decisions that affect the atmosphere of a place, city, or region, which I'm going to say this, at one time was considered a very important position. But I think nowadays, we don't give that much weight anymore. Because I think, you know, sometimes we just think it's church. Ah, I'm just going to church. Ah, I'm going to miss church today. Ah, Yeah, I'm just too tired. But see, we don't understand the value of coming together. There's value in coming together. When we come together, man, God shows up. And we'll, we'll kind of walk through some more of this. And then, it kinda, as, as the years kind of progressed, um, the church that we know of, like kind of the, the building aspect of it, um, around the 4th century, the word came to refer a place where the belonging to the Lord met, Okay. So that's kind of where we've gotten the idea of church. It's a place where the belonging of the Lord met. But the real heart of church is not about a building, but about coming together, okay? For those who belong to the Lord, and even for those who don't belong to the Lord, for them to walk into our service and experience God at a different level. At a, at a, like, wow, I've never experienced anything like this before, right? They may well, walk in, and, man, they're, they're looking for, for a, a love that they've never experienced before, but inside, they're, they're desperate, and they're hungry for it, and they walk in here, and because the ecclesia is together, the church is together, they're like, whoa, I have never felt love like this before. I have never experienced love like this, but what is this? And what a great opportunity then for us to be able to talk and share, right, encourage, maybe even lead them to to the Lord. So it's a coming together for those who belong to the Lord. And in the first century, if you were a believer, right, you were just kind of inherently uh, a part of the church body, okay? Okay. And, and when you were a part of the church body, that meant you were deeply involved and committed to the life and the well-being of the church. First century, right? that's right, Acts, man, beginning of the church. I recognize, right, that, man, I am now a new believer. I need to be deeply involved. I need to be committed to the life and well-being of the church. Not just the church, right, but other believers that make up the church. And if you weren't part of that, right, you could say, oh, yeah, I'm a believer. But back then, they were kind of like, well, prove it. You ain't proving it. I mean, how would you like to be called on the carpet on that? Just, hey, yeah, you say you're a believer, prove it. Uh, Well, uh, I go to church one time a month. Not saying that's the requisite, but man, is there fruit coming out of your life? That's that's giving you this opportunity that that you're like, man, I am living for Jesus. I am laying it all down for for, for Jesus. So again, the church isn't a building. It's a people. But unfortunately, I think in in a lot of ways, we've, we've grown up to think that the church is the building we go to. But see, I think we miss that foundational piece—that that that, uh, uh, foundational piece of what it actually means to be a Christian. Because when we separate church out to something that we just go to, I really think we marginalize it. We begin to kind of, kind of—it shrinks in our mind to the point where we 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 kind of begin to think and live that there is me, and then there is the church—two two separate entities. But, but that's not the intent of the church. All the way back to Acts, Acts chapter 2, when the church started, that was not the intent. It wasn't you and the church. It was all together, right? And so if we, if we, if, 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 if we kind of like boil it kind of down to me, then the church, we kind of end up, we go down a path of, of Christian consumerism. Right? Where the, the, the church exists apart from me and is supposed to serve me, supposed to meet all my desires, my wants, my preferences. And if not, then I'll go somewhere else. But see, with that kind of mentality, though, then what happens is that, that, that church kind of becomes a, a vending machine mentality, right? Of, of just kind of religious goods and services and, and personal benefits, whatever it is. You know what? If God has called you to a church, then be engaged, be active in it. Say, if this is my church, then I am involved in it. I'm not, you know, oh, well, what has it got for me today? Okay, pull the trigger, let the little fruit drop out and go, oh, I'm good. No, sometimes, I'm just gonna tell you, sometimes church might frustrate you. Because guess what? We're all human, right? Sometimes church might be, oh, but we're all human. But sometimes church is going to be glorious. And you're going to be like, man, I'm so glad I'm hooked in. I'm locked in. So church is a people who love God and love others, who are called together for the purpose of God. And called together to be equipped and then also sent out into the world. So, my title of my message is Who Not What? Who Not What? And then this little subtitle, little whatever you want to call it, tagline Recognize God's people as the church. Recognizing God's people as the church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says this. And I also say to you, this is Jesus talking, that you are Peter. And, and on this rock, I will build my church, okay? Now, he's not talking about the building. He's talking about the people, right? We'll lock it. Oh, the church. Yeah, that's us. No, it's the people. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So you could say the church is a what, isn't a what, it's a Who? And I think in the book of Acts, it gives us just a great picture, kind of this, this beautiful mosaic picture of, of the way church should be, okay? Who, it, it kind of gives you that picture of who the church is. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this, and it'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible today. It says, those who believed the word that day, number 3,000. Now, I'm just going to point out, I, I, I made the word who bigger, okay? Now, coming from a background of, of a guy who loves uh, classic rock, I think of the who, the band, the who, but I'm not talking, that's not what we're talking about, okay? But the who believed. Who, who's the who? The people, Right? says, those who who believed the the world, that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. So not the building. They were added to the group of believers. Okay? And then it said, sorry, I just kind of messed up here. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were uh, mutually linked to one another, can we say that about the church these days? Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer, verse 46. Daily they met together in the temple courts, right? They worshiped together and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with the praises of Praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Now, notice it just wasn't always at the church or at the temple, right? It was, it was anybody who believed, they gathered together, and in here it says they gathered together at homes, they gathered together. So the church is when people gather. The church gathers together. And with that, um, if you think about it, it, it brought about a, uh, a spiritual unity, this whole new dimension of spiritual unity when people were connecting with one another, devoted to one another, loving each other, you know, worshiping together, um, coming and having communion together, sharing meals together, doing all of these things together, there was this spiritual unity that happened that began to grow. And the results of that were both like powerful and practical, okay? And you can read Acts chapter four when it talks about the practical stuff cuz man they started selling stuff to help other believers out all of these things but but there was this dynamic that happened so the church isn't a what it's a who so as a who let me kind of give you four hopefully very quick biblical descriptives of the who that is the church today the first one is the church is the, his body the church is his body not a building the church is his body. In 1 Corinthians 12, now Paul uses this analogy of the body to speak about the body of Christ. It's kind of one of his favorite analogies, one of his favorite metaphors, because the church is more than just an organization. Yes, it needs structure. It needs all of those things to be put in line, but the church is not an church is an organism, right? That's alive. It's a living body. The church is an organism filled with people who are filled with life, right? I mean, sure, there are things in our life that sometimes can cause us to to be sour. But really, Man, when you have a relationship with Jesus, that sour should be just for a moment. We should be joyful. Because yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like. But man, I got this relationship with Jesus going and I am full of life because of his faithfulness to me. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12 through 14 says this. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, just as the human body is one, Though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit we are all we all were immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. Right? God's no respecter of persons. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. Now, he's describing the body of Christ. He's describing the church. He's describing the people. Hey, we're all different parts. We're all different things and have different functions within the church, he goes on to explain in verse 18, but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. Now that's a challenging statement right there if you think about it, right? As he desires. So that means that in order to function in the church the way we're supposed to be functioning, you better get line up to his desire. And if he desires for you to do something within the body, you should do it. I'm just saying. Come on, You'd love me, right? You guys are all got this stern look. i me, like, oh, pastor's man, he's really... But I'm just saying, right? Then he says this in verse 19. A diversity is required for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. Can you imagine if we were all just noses, right, just roaming around? So verse 20, so now we see that there are many different parts and functions but one body, right? So this house is a body, you are parts of that body, and you hopefully at some point recognize I got a function in the body, Verse 27 says, you are the body of the anointed one, and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. Get that. You are a unique and vital part of it. Are you a unique and vital part of it? God sees you as it. I see you as it. But do you see yourself as that? That's that's the question, right? So just as the human body has a variety of different parts and members, so also is the church. And and, and I think, too, what it means is you are not the body of Christ individually. Think about it. Because sometimes people like to go fly solo, right? I don't need a church body. I can just do whatever I want to do. Okay, well, I'll let the Lord work that out with you. But see, the Lord says, no, I, I need you to come together and be part of a body, I need you to serve and be functioning and doing the things that that are necessary. So when we just kind of approach this individually, yeah, we're not really part of the body. We are only the body when we are together, right? And there's teamwork that's involved in in, in this. Like, just like the body, we get that practically, right? Teamwork, man, our, our brains are saying this, all right, going to our hand, and then you got this, and we're moving. I mean, how much things are going on when you're walking, I mean, you got toes functioning. You got heel. You got you got shin. You got every, knees. You got everything. But it's the same thing as a church body. Everything needs to have its part moving, right? So the body of Christ, right? We are only as healthy and strong as the health of each member, working in support of each other, using our gifts. If you want the body of Christ to be strong in the body of Christ you're called to, the only way it's going to be strong is when every single member is doing its part. We get that practically, right? If we break a leg, we ain't functioning too well, right? Or, you know, part of our body hurts, or we got something going on inside. And, you know, like, you know, our stomach. Oh, I got a stomach ache. Oh, well, we don't, we're not functioning at the level we could because we're dealing with an issue. Well, sometimes that happens in the body of Christ. We're not functioning to where God wants us to be because maybe we don't, we're don't. we missing a part that somebody has. So that's when we're, we're the strongest and the healthiest. But see what happens too, just like our own bodies, right? We know this. We're at our weakest when the body is not functioning properly. And... Not to belabor the point, but this happens when, you know what? People just aren't involved. They're not being plugged into the body. They're not using their gifts and listening to the head, who is Jesus, right? And so that, 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 that body is not, not functioning the way it's designed to. So hopefully you're catching kind of this idea that each of you, as a member of the body of Christ, are connected really to one another. If this is your, your home church, this is what you say, hey, man, I am part of this kataba body, then you know what? We're connected to each other. And each one of us are valuable to God. Each one of us has been given these gifts, uniquely gifted by God. But see, it's up to us to find our place in that. So that the body can be Strengthened. Okay, let me give you the next descriptive real quick. The church is the temple. The church is his temple. The church is more than just a gathering of people, it is the dwelling place of God. The church is more than just a gathering of people, it is the dwelling place of God. Now, in the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle, right, that Moses built out in the wilderness. And then, ye, and really, the tabernacle meant dwelling, okay? Then years later, there was a building that stood on the hill of Jerusalem, which was Solomon's temple. Now, both of these buildings were the place where God's presence was. Okay, God God would show up. He dwelled there. It was his way of being with, with his people. Because at the time in the Old Testament, right, God did not live inside people. He wasn't living inside of them. But in the New Testament, we see the idea of temple... Kind of as a metaphor uh, for um, for God, it's dwelling in people, not outside of people, right? It wasn't like okay, if I wanted to connect with God in the Old Testament, then I would have to come here, okay? But now in the New Testament, it's all about Him living inside of you, okay? Where you're a temple. But see, what happens is then all the temple pieces come together and God is there. And you know that scripture, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. I mean, check it out. There's more than two here. So God was in the midst. And so he dwells in his people. So there was no longer a need for a physical building anymore. And then we see Paul kind of using this temple language when, he, when he's talking about the people of God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Don't you realize that all of you together... Say together. Okay, say all of you. Then say all of you together. Man, you're doing so good, okay? That all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So when we come together, man, it magnifies the presence of God, right? I mean, and, and one of the things because usually what we do is we see that kind of individualistically, right? In, you know, I think it's in, um, in 1 Corinthians six he tells about how our bodies that the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. and so yes, we have the Holy Spirit living within inside of us, but that those those, those, that, those scriptures or that scripture sp- section that we're not going to read kind of that is an individual you right it's a it's a singular you but here in this passage as we as we're reading those yous are plural that means all of you right together so if paul was from the south he would have said y'all are the temple of god right now you got a california guy trying to say that right or, you know, and, and his spirit lives within y'all, okay? But Paul wasn't from the South, but you, know, you get the point. Um, because here he is, he's just writing to the, to the church, not an individual in the church. And then, you know what we see kind of where, where um, Peter kind of uses the same imagery in the temple to describe um, individual Christians being living stones that are being used to build, the temple where god dwells but the temple is built on the foundation of jesus right first peter chapter 2 verse 5 says and you are living stones that god is building into his spiritual temple what and you are living stones that god is building into his spiritual temple what's more you are his holy priests Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Okay, so when we all come together, right, this spiritual temple is being built because God's presence is here. So believers, the body of Christ, establishes God's temple, his spiritual house, when we come together. The next one, number three, is the church is God's covenant people. The church is God's covenant people. The word covenant simply means a binding agreement. And the Bible clearly reveals that God is a God of covenant, right? He makes covenant with people. He keeps his covenant with his people. It's a way for him to relate to us. And so when he establishes a covenant, right, he is is establishing relationship with you. And so we are, because of the New Testament, we are under a covenant. He's established relationship with us, right? He's all about it. That's why, like in his the theme of his covenant language is always about I will be your God and you will be my people. That's about relationship. I mean, look at the history of God's people. It's a history of covenant, which they are all part of this singular magnificent purpose so that um, he would fill the earth with men and women in his image. And he makes he keep makes sure that he keeps every single promise that he makes, every single covenant he he makes. He makes sure that it, it happens. In the Old Testament, God cut covenant, as we know, with the likes of Moses and with um, Abraham, um, uh, David, and some other people, right? You could also look at um, the fact that he made covenant with, with um, Noah. He made covenant with Adam. But see, when he made these covenants, it was always like he was moving towards something even greater. Right? To that time where then he could then establish everlasting covenant with everybody, no matter what race, no matter what nationality, no matter what. Right? And this new everlasting covenant is centered in a person, his son, Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 14, verse 24. This is Jesus talking. He said, and he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. So Jesus was declaring, Hey, a new covenant is being established. And then in Jeremiah, it tells us this about how Jesus fulfilled this. It says this um, in Jeremiah 31, But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days after the day that Jesus was born, Jesus dies, right, resurrected, he says this, I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So this promise is fulfilled, right? Right? With the coming of Jesus and the indwelling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then you have in Hebrews. This is what Hebrews 8.6 says. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. It's talking about Jesus. It says, inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Woo! Hallelujah. So in other words, we are in covenant with God. We have gained as our own all that God has. Okay? So you take that individually, but then not only that, when we're in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, it also allows us to enter into a covenant family. The body of Christ. Covenant family. So, If we're in covenant family, that means we're in covenant with one another, right? We're in covenant with one another. Think about that. When was the last time you you, you thought about, hey, I'm in covenant with this person at my church? Man, whatever they need, I'm going to try to help them the best I can. They need, me to, need someone to come to the hospital to pray for them, I'm there. They need a quick phone call, I'm there, right? Okay, this, this will sound bad, but it's not always the pastor's responsibility. Because I'll just be honest, half the time pastor doesn't even know about it. But a church member does, right? And so is the church member doing their part to be in covenant with that person to Pray for them, be with them, help them, whatever. Not that I'm trying to to pass anything off. I'm just saying that's kind of how it rolls because we're supposed to be in covenant together. And we're supposed to be expressing that, right? In mutual love, care, honesty, encouragement, correction, and faithfulness towards one another in the body. It's God's intention that all of his people would live in this covenant relationship with one another, and covenant relationship with Him. So we are a covenant body. We're in covenant with God. The very last one, I promise. The church is God's divine instrument. The church is God's divine instrument. The church is God's divine instrument or tool for His specific purpose in the earth. And one of his purposes of his church is to advance his kingdoms, with his kingdom's power and authority in the earth. Let me read Ephesians to you. It says his purpose was that all the rulers and powers in the heavenly places will know I'm sorry, will now know the many different ways he shows his wisdom. Okay. Now, those rulers and powers in heavenly places. Okay, that's that's the demonic forces. Okay, and so what he's trying to say, hey, hey, look, he, God's going to show, the in different ways, he's going to show his wisdom. He's going to show what Christ has accomplished. But this is this is what it says. Now that many different ways he shows his wisdom, they will know this because of the. Church. So that means God wants to use the church, us, together to prove what Jesus has already done. He wants us to prove it on earth. Well, how can you do that if you're scattered all over the place? If we're not coming together and we're not being a body in a gathering place, how can we show that? It says, they will know this because of the church. And then it says, this agrees with the plan of God had since the beginning of time to use his people. That means he wants to use you together as a body. But this agrees with God's plan had, had since the beginning of time. He, he did what he planned, and he did it through the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, here he is. He's citing this. And he's saying, man, before all of the evil unseen powers, he wants the church to be displayed as an instrument before them to show the power of God and and, and the kingdom authority in the earth, right? Because as a believer, we have kingdom authority. We really do because of what Christ did, not because of who we are. But because of what Christ did, Jesus gave us kingdom authority you know and it's 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 all in the man it's all in there in the scripture we have been given keys to the kingdom to establish his authority and take the gospel to all the earth so I, I, so I'm going to close it off here um, if someone wants to come and play uh, piano or whatever. Um, So the ecclesia, right? This is more of a challenge, I guess. Let let us rise to who we are, right? Because who we are is God's instrument. Okay? But let us rise to be like the early church. Now think about it. The early church was like this radical countercultural force of people who transformed hostile, pagan places in which they lived. I mean, look in the book of Acts. What if we were used as instruments in the places that we go to as a body, right? And that we, we, we experience or we begin to transform these places. You remember what I said when it, when it, it talked about assembly together for God's purpose? to what? Change atmospheres. What if we, as a body, began to to take on this radical assignment, right? What if if we were to rise in the midst of this social, um, this economic, this political and moral chaos that we live in today and really become the revolutionary, transformational church, right? Life-giving church, Ecclesia that God has called us to be. To me, that's an assignment. That's an assignment that I'm just kind of throwing out there to us for us to actually begin to think about that. Could we be as radical as the first century church and change the atmosphere and the culture? of the people that we encounter so much so that they come to know Christ? It's possible. But but just like we experienced this morning, we got to be willing to engage it. Right? We engaged worship God King. But we got to be willing to engage to be the instrument that God has called us to be in order to impact the world. In order to you know, revolutionary or transformationally give life to people. That is Jesus. And so, again, the church is not a building, it's a people. It's a people gathered together, right? It's the body of Christ where we're all connected, needing each other to fulfill God's promise, God's purposes. Right, We are the, the temple of God. We are the dwelling place for God to live. So live that way. We are covenant people of God. We are part of the covenant family of God. And we are part of the covenant of other, with other believers. And then we're an instrument of God. Right? to show the finished work of what Jesus has done. That's the, that's the start of the gathering place. We have to get to these things deep down inside of us. We've got to be able to say, oh man, that totally, totally makes sense. And, I'm, and, and we'll, we'll walk into more of this during, during the other sections of the gathering place. But I hope it, it, it's triggered something in you. Hope it's, it's spoken in a way that, 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 that the Holy Spirit can begin to, to internalize it within you. And I would even say this. Feel free to go back and listen to the podcast. I hear something the first time, and that doesn't mean I catch it all the time. So I'll go back and listen to it again and again until it begins to all of a sudden take hold of my heart and begin to speak something in me, so that I can actually, like, ah, I get it, right? Because I think all along the Holy Spirit kind of go, hey, listen to that, pay attention. But my mind sometimes is all over the place, so I have to go back. So if this has said something to you, if this has spoken to you somehow, some way, then you know what? I just want to encourage you: go and listen to the podcast. Let it be something that will sink in. But we have to understand this This building is great. It's awesome that we meet here. But you know what? If we took it outside to meet somewhere else, we are the church, not the building. Right? If we go and do an outreach somewhere, we are the church, not the building. We bring church to people. And so... My prayer is, is that, man, this, this is something that gonna, you're going to have to wrestle with, that you're really going to have to like maybe, you know, do some thinking and, and, and trying to, to process what that looks like. Because again, like I said, the health of the church, the strength of the church is when everybody is working together to do their part.